tonight. Hope everybody's had a good day. Uh, hope everybody had a good nap. I was telling Brother Chris just a second ago, I said a, a Sunday afternoon nap is uh, well underrated. Uh, I know when you're a kid, you think you're sleeping, you're missing out on life. But uh, I say if you get a chance, take it. But it is a joy, amen, to have y'all here. It's good. To, it's a, I appreciate the opportunity to be back again here at Merville uh, Baptist Church. And uh, uh, like I say, a word of welcome. Thank you for coming. We'll go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll get started in the service. Uh, Brother Tim, if you wouldn't mind, please pray for us. Let's all stand, page 174. Sixty-seven. I have found His grace in all complete peace of mind. 
pray for the choirs we sing. Brother Tim, you want to give you a report on the mis- uh, jail ministry?
Amen. Amen. While you're standing, let's do page 
evening, everybody. Uh, glad to see everybody back. Uh, let's go over the announcements real quick one more time. Uh, July the 6th, we got the Ladies Bible Study at 11 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall. Uh, if anybody needs uh, some books for that, uh, for that study, please see Teresa after service tonight. Uh, she's planning on ordering a few more books, so please see her. Uh, July the 9th, uh, Homecoming with Gold City. Uh, remember, we will not have Sunday school or evening service because we're going to have some food after that meeting. And uh, just please bring a lot of food. Everybody cooks really good. And it's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, July the 22nd, uh, we're having our school bash, Crusaders for Christ. Uh, got some flyers out there. Please pick one up and kind of uh, promote it around the area. We want to get as many people in as we can. And a uh, conference meeting August the 2nd. Uh, again, if you're holding a position and you want to step down or you're interested, uh, please see Terry or myself and we'll talk to you about it. Thank y'all.
Amen. I've enjoyed that. Uh, it's good to be back again tonight here at Marvel Baptist Church. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to stand once again to try to uh, be a blessing and try to bring God's Word. Uh, just sitting there this, just now, just, uh, boy, I really enjoyed the singing tonight. Amen. It just seems like y'all had a little extra volume uh, uh, tonight on that singing, but I appreciate that. It's always a good thing to exalt the Lord in music and in song. And so, uh, just that song, When We All Get to Heaven, amen. I was thinking, man, heaven's going to take care of a lot of things, is it not? Uh, I'm glad we've got a brighter day, you know, uh, coming. Uh, uh, I know, you know, we look forward to certain days, you know, like uh, most folks is probably off Tuesday, uh, you know, 4th of July for, for, for the festivities and the holiday. And, you're, you know, that work week, you know, you're looking at uh, the fact of like, man, I get a day off. You're looking forward to that. But guess what happens? Wednesday happens and you got to go back. Amen. Uh, but I'm glad there's a day coming when we don't have to go back. When we have that home in heaven, we're going to step off into glory land. Uh, we can look at everything, everything else will be in the rear view mirror. We don't have to look that way no more. We don't, we're not there for a limited time, but it's going to be forever and forever and forever. Amen. That's uh, message number one again. Sorry about that, but uh, I just, just want to get that off my chest. Amen. It's just the goodness and the greatness of God, which He, he affords us. And like she just saying, that's nothing in our own selves, amen, but it's by and only by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have access uh, to our home in heaven, amen. If you got your Bibles tonight, uh, turn with me to the book of Judges, to the book of Judges, chapter number 8. The book of Judges, chapter number 8. The book of Judges, chapter number 8. One little verse. I mean, we'll get into several verses, but uh, one verse in particular just sta standing out to me tonight. And we'll begin reading that. The book of Judges, chapter number 8. The Bible says in verse number 4, it says, And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over, he and the... 300 men that were with him, faint, yet pursuing them. Let me read that one more time. It says, Gideon came to Jordan and passed over. He and the 300 men that were with him, faint, yet pursuing them. Let's pray. Lord, I pray God in heaven, Lord, you'd please uh, touch us tonight. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us, Lord, from your holy word. Uh, Lord, we need to hear from heaven once again, Father. Lord, no doubt we're leaky vessels. And I just pray, God, you'd fill us up again tonight and just help us. And draw us that much closer to you, God, through thy wonderful word. Lord, I know I need your help tonight, and I need your touch, God. Uh, and Lord, help us, God, tonight just to preach, thus saith the Lord, and to lift you up. Thank you, Lord, Father. I pray, bless thy people in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And y'all know the story, I'm sure, tonight, of the story of Gideon. And we're just going to be talking a little bit about him tonight, and just uh, uh, what he went through, and who he was, and what he was about. But as, as I looked at this, and was studying this, this, this passage and this scripture... Uh, I, I see in that verse number four, what we see, uh, that last part, that phrase, I'm going to preach on that just for a little bit, faint yet pursuing. Faint yet pursuing. Uh, again, y'all know the character of Gideon and the story there, that uh, how in chapter number six we're introduced to Gideon and, and the man that he is. And uh, Gideon moves from a coward to a commander, amen? Uh, he, he goes from uh, not thinking he's anybody to allowing God to work in his life, and yet we're still reading about him even today. 
Uh, when we think of Gideon, we don't necessarily think of a coward the whole time, but we think of a great commander and what he did uh, with so little. And so chapter number 6, we see that by way of introduction, he was oppressed by the Midianites for eight years. Uh, the book of uh, uh, judges is a time of great apostasy and apathy. Uh, the book of Judges is, uh, I guess, the theme of that, that is every man, did, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You understand? Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And what had happened there is God brought the Midianites over there to the nation of Israel to, to oppress them. See, why would God do something like that? Well, God, the same reason God does that to me and you. Because that oppression so many times, what does it do? Drives us back to the Lord. You understand? It drives us back to the Lord. I hate to say that, but we all sometimes become distant with the things of God. And God knows how to get our attention, does He not? And put things in our life that push us back to Him. And that's what He done right here with the nation of Israel. He brought the Midianites over there and started to oppress them. Why? Because the nation did that which was right in their own eyes. But I'm here to tell you tonight, uh, your eyes and God's eyes, are two, there's two different visions there, amen? Again, everybody's got their own opinion. That doesn't mean it's right. But God's way is always right. And so they were hiding right here, chapter number 6. Uh, we find that Gideon was hiding from the Midianites because the fear of the Midianites, uh, because they were oppressing them, oppressing them greatly. Many people today are just kind of hiding out. They don't want to face the facts. They don't want to face what life's got for them. They just say, hey, I'm just going to be a recluse. I don't know what I'm going to do. If I just don't address the issue, I'm just going to hide out. Uh, and we see they do that because of fear. And Gideon was hiding because of fear. He was threshing that wheat. He was threshing that grain uh, at the night there at that threshing floor where nobody would see him. So he was hiding out. Uh, but God met him there in chapter number uh, six. And God called him. He told him, he called him, he said, a great, he said uh, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. I bet Gideon was like, I didn't think there's nobody else here. I didn't think, who, me? That's what Gideon said. Gideon said, who, me? And he called him and said, a mighty man of valor. And I'm thankful tonight that God sees us not as we are, as we see ourselves, but God sees us of what we could be. Amen? Isn't that amazing? I mean, I really think that's amazing so many times that you see a, a poor lost sinner that they was wretched. And that's every one of us. And we don't see much in ourselves. But God saw enough in us, uh, that, uh, enough in us that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. He's seen those people there. They said, man, they were nothing. They were nobody. Hey, but God says, well, you see a nothing, you see a nobody. Hey, I see a sinner that needs a Savior. Amen. I'm glad today that God doesn't see us. As we see ourselves on so many occasions. That he can look past our faults, Brother Ron, and say, I can, do, I, I can make something of that. I, I, you, you can't do nothing with that, but I can do something with that. Amen. And that's what he's trying to tell Gideon right there. He said, yeah, I know how you feel. I know you're afraid. I know all these things in your life, but I'm gonna, you just don't know who you are. I'll tell this on my wife. She don't like this story, but I'm going to tell it anyways. At the house, we've got... You know, during the COVID and everything like that, everything shut down. So, Dad went a little crazy. That's me, Dad being me. And so, I bought us some chickens. And so, I bought us some chickens. And, you know, uh, not that the world was coming to an end, but, you know, my girls, they wanted these things. And I was like, man, I'm going to be a good dad, you know. They're going to love me now. They've been wanting these things. So, I got them some of these little chickens. And I got these little bantams because I didn't want the big ones because they eat all the food up. And so, I was these little ones, you know, they don't eat much food. So, we got, I believe it was five, yeah, no, six chickens, wasn't it? Six. And out of those six chickens... Five were roosters. That's why I don't play the lottery. It ain't nothing biblical. I just don't, I don't have good odds. I'm just kidding. 
Well, well, a little bit at a time, we kind of kind of thin those out. You know how that works. But we had this one, and his name was Peaches. It was supposed to have been a girl. That's why they named it Peaches as this little chick. But it was Peaches. And so Peaches right here grew up, and, and Peaches was just a pretty as a picture rooster. But Peaches was mean. I didn't like Peaches. Nobody liked Peaches. And so Peaches was mean, but you'd have to keep your eye on Peaches. And he was just a little old thing. And so it was so funny that you, if you get around Peaches, you just kind of kind of watch him. Because he'd flog you. He'd, he'd, he'd sneak up and flog you. And, and, and as much as he didn't like me and the girls, he really didn't like Chrissy. And, and I thought it was kind of funny. I said, you're going to have to do something about that. You're going to have to show them who's boss uh, is what you're going to have to do. But she didn't take my advice. And so one day uh, they were out there and I was watching the whole thing unfold and wish I had a phone because I was about to win me a bunch of money on AFV. You understand what I'm saying? And so I come out through there. Next thing I know, I hear screaming and hollering. And here goes Chrissy. She done running across the yard and right behind her was Peaches chasing her. It was hilarious. She done flung her flops out in the yard. She's running screaming, help me, help me, help me. And, but the whole time, it's like Peaches is eating but about three pounds. You understand what I'm saying? And Chrissy's a grown woman. And I'm thinking, I'm trying to tell her is, you don't know who you are. You're so much bigger, so much stronger than this little rooster. You need to turn around and just punt that thing and go on and, and, be, and be done with it. But no, she was allowing that little rooster to trace her all over the place and right back into the house. But you see, that's how we are with the Lord. Lord, I can't do this. Lord, I can't do that. I'm not able to do this. I'm not able to do that. Gideon, mighty man of valor. Look here, Lord. Do you not see that I'm, uh, I'm, it's nighttime. I'm looking over my shoulder. I'm looking over my, I'm looking over this shoulder. I'm looking over that shoulder. I'm listening. Is, is the Midianites coming? I don't know if they're coming, but I sure am scared the whole time. Uh, God's saying, thou mighty man of valor. Because it's not about you. It's about me. You understand? You don't even know who you are. Gideon didn't know who he was. In church, you gotta, if you're going to do something for God, if you're going to live for the Lord, you've got to realize it's not even about you, it's about who He is. And we forget not only the fact of who we are, but we forget the fact who He is. Amen? And that's the whole key to all that is who He is. Man, I can't face the devil. I can't face this life. You understand what I'm saying? I know I can't, but, but through His strength, amen, we all can. Amen? We talk about that fear. In chapter number 7, you don't, you don't have to turn there. But in chapter number 7, we see right here in verse number 3, it says, Now therefore, Gideon done laid out all these fleeces in chapter number 6. We're not going to go over that, but he kept doubting God. He kept questioning God in chapter number 6, and he was trying to bargain with the Lord. I don't know if anybody in here has ever tried to bargain with God. <laughs> But right here in verse number 7, I believe he finally just gave up to the fact. And we see it in verse number 3. He says, Now therefore go to, to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early uh, from Mount Gilead. And they returned to the people 20 and 2,000, and there remained 10,000. So they had, done, had 32,000 soldiers. But see, the Midianites were 100,000. Midianites were done as, a, the, the, as many as the sands of the sea. In other words, the great number. So you had 32,000 men trying to fight the number of over 100,000 men. And they're just sitting there going, okay, what are we going to do now? The odds wasn't in their favor. And so the Lord said, we're going to put a fear test out there. Get in, just go ahead and ask and say, if anybody's afraid, tell them they can go home. And I'm sure Gideon's like, I don't want to do that, Lord. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. And sure enough, what happened? 22,000 men said, that's me. I'll see y'all later. And so now you're down to, what is that, uh, 10,000 men. But the thing about that, God wanted to say, do that fear test right there. Because you know what? You don't need any cowards in the ranks. Amen? Uh, I believe there's used to, uh, you, you heard that phrase that they used to uh, uh, shoot a deserter. Why would they shoot a deserter? Because cowardice is contagious. 
Even when you was just kind of like, well, I'm kind of for this. But if you see the guy behind, beside you take off running, I'm scared. And you see this other guy right here take off, I'm scared. What are you pretty soon going to do? I, me too. So they got to knock all that stuff in the head. And God knew that. He didn't, you don't need to get in the middle of a battle and you've got some coward next to you saying, I'm giving up. I can't do this anymore. I, I'm going to the house. You can't do that because cowardice is contagious. But not only that, but I believe courage is also contagious. Well, I might not be able to do it. I might be worrying a little bit. I might be struggling a little bit. But if I look over to my right hand and old dude buddy's just got his face set like a flint. Okay, I can do this. You look over here. I, I, I can do this. And church, that's the, one of the great things about coming to church, amen. Hey, I know you can sit at the house and you can watch your TV preachers and all that, but you know what? You still can't get the same results if you're in the house of God saying, hey, I know so-and-so's going through that trouble, but they're here, amen. I know they're going through that, but yet they're still here. I know they're facing that, but hey, they're still here. Hey, they're putting on a brave face. They're still marching forward for God. Hey, they're not looking for excuses to get out, but they're looking, uh, they're making a point to stay in, Amen. Talking about the fear test. What about the focus test, verse number 5 through 7? I've got, I got to hurry up. Verses 5 through 7. And this right here, just for sake of time, I won't read that. But he said, all right, the rest of them, you get down out of the river and you sit down, the ones lap and the ones that put their face to the water. He said, you're going to weed them out right through there. And so what did he do after that? When all that right there was said and done, there was only 300 left. When you're going to be in a battle, you need somebody that's not afraid. You also need somebody that's going to be focused. You told me that story this morning about you and Jack and all that shooting. I was like, neither one of y'all was focused. <laughs> don't need any of that in the battle, amen. I don't, know, I don't need anybody. The Lord don't need the army today. I mean, you know, we're celebrating uh, uh, the 4th of July and independence and the, and the special forces. I'm here to tell you, uh, nobody in the army, Marines, Navy, uh, Marine or Air Force, they don't want anybody to know which end of the gun is which. This, this fell out of this grenade, what I do with it? <laughs> No, you got to have right focus. And honestly, that's why we need to be sanctified Christians. We need to grow in, grow in Christ. You understand what I'm saying? Because there's going to be some battles coming our way that we're going to face that we're going to need to know how to handle those things. Uh, I've met people that's been in church all their life, and yet they don't even, they, they know who uh, Noah was. They know who Moses was. Barely know who Jesus is. You know, you got to get that covered. But other than that, that's all they know. And they know Jonah because they like the whale story in the picture of the whale. Because there's no growth there. There's no focus there. But we see right here in this, this same chapter, in chapter number 7, uh, in verses 13 through 22, actually, the victory over the Midianites. Verses number uh, 21, and I'm, I'm trying to hurry, I'm going to get somewhere. Uh, verses number 21 through 22, it says, And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the hosts ran and cried and fled. It said, And the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord said, Every man soared against his fellow, sir, fellow even throughout all the hosts. And the host fled to Bethshedia and Zarephath and the border of the uh, Bilomea and Tabitha. That's a bunch of words. I wasn't speaking in tongues, I promise there. <laughs> I was trying to hurry. But we see right there that there's victory over these Midianites. Uh, we see that just with those 300 men, and I'm not, I'm not focused on just those 300 men tonight in that sense of, uh, of, of this battle. What I'm trying to focus on tonight is this faint yet pursuing. Faint yet pursuing. They had just fought this battle in chapter number 7, and they were still fighting even here in chapter number 8. And then that's where we get to that verse number 4. It said, And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over. He and the 300 men that were with him 
faint, yet pursuing. They were faint, no doubt, in their minds. They're thinking, man, it's not but 300 of us. Does anybody ever get faint in your mind? Just I mean, You let your mind kind of run away with you? Has anybody ever thought something other than after it come to pass that it really wasn't the way you thought it was? Why, because, why does that happen? Because your mind gets faint. Why does that happen? Because you're, you're fo- you lose focus on, on reality. and You allow the things of the world, and you allow the things around you, and you even allow your own life and even your own personal thoughts to get the better of you. Why? Because your mind is weak. We get a weak mind. These men right here were struggling. They just come through a battle. Their methods, they're faint because of their methods, I believe. You say, how's that? We had a torch in one hand and a picture in another. I don't know, but if I'm about to fight 100,000 Midianites, I'm wanting machine guns, bazookas, and missiles. You understand? Helicopters. I'm talking about mash the nuclear bomb button, kill them all. That's, you know, but, but you're going to give me this, this, this flashlight and this, this bucket of water? You, you see what I'm saying? I just, your, your mind starts playing tricks on you. You there, even though Gideon's over here, hey, praise be to God, we're going to take them all. Uh, you know, you can have the other soldiers going, I guess so. So those soldiers are minds, their methods. Not only that, but they were marching. Chapter 7, they didn't climb those hills. They was on top of those hills. Those Midianites were down in the valleys. Uh, they, they didn't ride a motorcycle up there. You understand? They walked up there with all that, with just that gear. And they were in the middle of the night, those, those things. And they were still in chapter 8, chasing the enemy. Physical. Your, just your physical well-being can make you faint. Just your, the, way you're, the way you are physically, physically can make you faint. You say, I looked up the def- definition of faint. The word faint means weak, feeble, exhausted, as faint with fatigue, hunger, or thirst, dejected, depressed, or dispirited. What? That's what the word faint means. Okay? Did you see what we read in our original verse, chapter number uh, 8, verse number 4? It said they were faint. Let me give you the definition of faint right here again, one more time. Weak, feeble, exhausted, as faint with fatigue, hunger, or thirst, dejected, depressed, and dispirited. What did it say in verse number 4, chapter 8? They were faint, yet pursuing. They were all these things. They wasn't just, I mean, they didn't just wake up. You know, they didn't, have, they didn't come off vacation. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, no, no, they were uh, uh, fighting the good fight. But yet they kept on fighting the good fight in spite of the fact that they were faint. What caused their fainting? What caused this? What caused all this? Several different things can cause these things. Age. I'm creeping on up there. I got a I got a uh, a friend of mine at church that he he was when I was in my 30s he was saying you wait you get in your 40s it's gonna hit you I'm like oh whatever got in my 40s I'm like maybe he was maybe he was on something but he's in his 50s now he says 40s he said you you ain't seen nothing yet wait till you get in your 50s I'm like man I appreciate the encouragement brother I'll tell you that you know. I was getting ready tonight, and I was putting my socks on, and I, I always tell too much stuff about myself when I'm preaching, you know. But and I sit down in this chair, and I told Chris, I said, you know, I'm starting to like this chair. Used to, I could stand up, and I still do from time to time, put my socks on. But boy, that chair's, that, that chair's starting to feel better and better and better, amen? <laughs> in other words, age can make us fatigued. Age can make us faint. Age just can wear us out. The daily grind, our health, our circumstances, life, and just plain out disappointments can get you discouraged and make you what? Faint. All y'all tonight could probably remember something in your mind. You're like, this kind of got me down. Almost wanted to quit. Why not just give up? And the devil jump up on your shoulder and say, what, what's, it, what's the use? 
You're trying your best. You're spinning your wheels. You get nowhere. That's like running on a treadmill. You, you, you see what I'm saying? There's no, not a huge purpose in that, you know. You're going nowhere fast. What about it this, tonight? You might sometimes, you ever feel like you just, I'm just treading water. I'm just, I'm just trying not to drown. And these men were probably a lot like that. They were faint. Yet they were pursuing. We're talking about fighting. Fighting, fighting will make you faint. Chapter number 7, they was fighting from without. We talked about that with the Midianites. That, 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 that battle that they had, that battle that they had was constantly on them. That fear of the unknown and battling the enemy will constantly, just constantly battling that enemy will take the breath out of you. What about this right here? What about, we talked about that battling from the outside, but what about that battling on the inside? The belittling of the entitled. Look at chapter number Look at chapter number 8, verse number 1. And it said, And the men of Ephraim said unto him, Why hast thou served us thus, that thou calledest us not, when thou wentest to fight with the Midianites? And they did chide with them sharply. And he said unto them, What have I done now in comparison of you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abizer? God hath delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. And what shall... And what was I able to do in comparison to you? Then their anger was abated toward him when he said that. You say, what has that got to do with anything? I'm talking about the, I'm talking about, uh, the belittling of the entitled. This right here is Ephraim. This, 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 this tribe of Israel. Um, uh, Gideon had been fighting the Midianites and he had won a great battle against the Midianites. And now he was chasing the captains. He was chasing the kings of Midian through there. And then all of a sudden, uh, Ephraim showed up and said, hey, why didn't you call us to the battle? Why didn't you let us get involved in this? Look what it, it says in that verse number 1 of chapter 8. And they chided him sharply. That's the family within. All the nation of Israel, they're supposed to be on the same side. You understand what I'm saying? In the same battle, in the same fight. And they're getting all over Gideon. Gideon was doing the Lord's work and all of a sudden they wanted to jump in when all the hard work was done. You know anybody like that? I believe you do. <laughs> You're breaking your neck trying to get it done. Then oh, so-and-so shows up. Let's get with it. And it's like done. Oh, I, I, okay. And then when and the boss shows up, they're like, oh, man, boys, y'all did a great job. And he's like, the dude's like, oh, yes, thank you. And he's like, you ain't work, You ain't struck a lick at it. And yet you're taking all the credit. And that's the problem with Ephraim right here is he wasn't going to get the glory. He wanted all the rewards. He wanted all the recognition. But he didn't want the responsibility. I'm talking about something to make you faint. Pretty soon, what are you going to do? You can have it. I'm getting tired of doing my work and your work too. You can have it. But that's not what he did. Because that was verse number 1 through 3. Verse number 4 said what? Faint. Yet pursuing. Gideon could have said, Brother Tim, he could have said, No, I done beat all these Midianites. You can have it. Go on with it. Uh, but Gideon actually answered him pretty softly. He said, Man, what am I, what's, my, what's my tribe to your tribe? Man, y'all are so much better than us. He answered it very diplomatically. You understand? He, he, he answered that very smoothly. Uh, I, I can't say that I would have answered it in such a way. You see what I mean? Uh, but he did that way and he went about his business and kept focus. He didn't lose focus and went right after those, uh, uh, the kings of Midian. Why? Because he was yet pursuing. <laughs> I like what one man said. It says, don't discourage another man's plans 
unless you have better ones to offer. That's what the, that's what the Ephraimites were doing. Gideon, what are you doing? I got something. You, you. Did they not know the Midianites were oppressing them the whole time before Gideon even got started? You know what I'm saying? They had their opportunity. So Gideon was battling the people without, the Midianites. And then now right here we see that he's battling the people within. Don't be an Ephraimite. <laughs> Don't battle one another. Amen? You understand? We're on the same side here tonight, church. Uh, that's for the honor and the glory of God. It doesn't matter what color the carpet is. It doesn't matter what color the toilet paper is. It don't matter about these things. You understand what I'm saying? What about this right here? The failed support made them faint. I got to hurt. I... Verses 5 through 6. And he said unto the men of Succoth. All right, man, Gideon's marching on. And he said unto the men of Succoth, Give, I pray you, loaves of bread unto the people that follow me, for they be faint, and I am pursuing after Zeba and Zalmanah, kings of Midian. He asked him. He stopped by and asked him. Said, "Hey, we need a little sustenance. We need a little help. You might, you mind just, man? We're, we're running low on supplies. Can you, can you give us a handout?" And this is what they said right here in verse number six. It said, "The prince of Asukath said, uh, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmana now in thine hand that we should give uh, bread unto thine army?'" And Gideon said, "Therefore, when the Lord hath delivered Zalba and Zalmana into mine hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars." Gideon done had it up here, didn't he? He said, I've done been facing Ephraim. And now you guys, man, I can't even get a loaf of bread. I can't even get a pack of crackers. I'm here fighting your battle. And you're not even going to help me. I'm talking about it. Give me a glass of water. You're not going to do nothing for me. I'm talking about that right there. What will make us faint today is when we have failed support. You see, the men of Succoth right there, they... Midianites weren't totally destroyed just yet. So what did they say? It was not really advantageous. So what if we, what if we give this supplies to you, Gideon? This is what they're thinking. It's to you, you don't capture those kings, and then they come back and hear us that we supplied uh, supplies to Gideon and not them. We helped, out, we helped out Gideon. See, what were they trying to do? They were trying to be neutral. I, I don't want to get involved. I, I, I mean, you know, it's really not popular for me to, to help you. So if, I, I'm just going to stay back here and you, you just handle that. We shouldn't be like that for, as Christians. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, you need some help, brother? You need some help, sister? I'm going to try to help you. You need some help in this ministry? You need some help in this ministry? Well, I, I can't do much, but I'm going to pr seriously pray for you, not just say I'll pray for you. I can't do much, but I'm going to try to show, try to show you that I'm supporting what you're doing uh, for the cause of Christ. Amen? Not, well, it's not real popular. It's, it's, there's really nothing in it for me. Talking about failed support. What about this? Following what's right. What will make you faint? Following what's right. Chapter number 7, verse 21. It said, and they, and they stood every man in his place. What's going to make you faint tonight is just being in your place. Honestly, just standing for what's right. What is it? The media and the society today talks about how hateful we are. Oh, they're hateful, they're hateful, they're hateful, they're hateful, they're hateful. You can call me what you want to. I don't care. If I just, there's, there's nothing hateful about the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? 
There's nothing hateful about the cross of Calvary, amen. Uh, there's nothing hateful about the love of God, amen. Because when Jesus says all in the Bible, what does he mean? He means all. All means all, and that's all all means, amen. Uh, there, there's nothing divisive about it, about any of that right there. So you just, mama and daddy, uh, I'm here, grandma and grandpa, you just stand for what's right. It doesn't matter if you, uh, your kids come up to you, hey, hey, can we do this and we do that? Well, is it right? Well, no. Oh, don't give in to them. Don't let little Junior, little Susie sit here uh, constantly just chip away at you and chip away at you and chip away at you at you and chip away at you and be like, well, we just, uh, I don't want them to feel left out. So we're just going to give in. No, it'll make you faint. Hey, let them come up to you, but you need to stand for what's right. Amen. But it does get weary, doesn't it? But it does get weary. Just standing for what's right. It's faint. Don't give up mom and dad. It's okay to be faint. But just keep pursuing. You see, we need to be <clears throat> More careful when we are faint with our decisions, our directions, and our discernment. Because when you're faint, you're liable to make a bad choice. When you're faint, you're liable to make a bad decision. I think of Esau, the book of Genesis over there. He went out the field to search for food, did he not? Went out there to hunt and search for food. And he said when he came back, he was faint from being in the field. And what did he do? Y'all know the story right there that Jacob had that, uh, that, that pottage right there. And he sold his birthright. And I believe if he had probably been in his right mind, he wouldn't have done that. But he said, man, I faint. He said, and why, what good is my birthright if I perish? He was making a decision based on an, uh, 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 a fleshly viewpoint. I need to eat right now. What am I going to use that for if I die right now? So go ahead and give me what my flesh is craving for, craving right now. And Jacob said, okay. But see, that was a generational mistake. That was a generational... Mom and dad, some of these choices that you're making as a mom and dad right now, you need to measure those on the Word of God because it might seem like a simple decision right now and just the immediate, but those are generational choices that you're giving your, uh, your kids with just one word of advice or not. Because what, hap what happens is so many times with those things that you'll set precedence. And I guarantee you, you let your kids do one thing, or, you know what they're going to say? Now, they'll come up to you with this right here, just this one time. And you're like, okay, just this one time. And then something else comes up, maybe a little bit bigger, something else you don't agree with. You, know, you say, no, you ain't going to do that. Well, you let me do this. You've done set precedence. It's a generational thing. And they're going to sit there and be on you and keep on you and keep on you and keep on you. Faint. Yet pursuing. John the Baptist, when he was faint, he was searching for a, a word from the Lord. He says, is this Jesus? Uh, just give me a word. Is that who he says he was? Is, is Jesus who he is when he was in prison? So John the Baptist was looking for spiritual things when he was faint. Give me a word from God. Yeah, but Esau was looking for physical things when he was faint. Fleshly things when he was faint. Proverbs 24.10 says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is... Small. You understand that? If you faint in the day of adversity, we're going to have some adversity in our life. And if we just fold like a cheap lawn chair at the first sign of adversity, our strength is small. We need to be strong, Christians, church. Faint yet pursuing. In spite of all these things, in spite of everything that was going on right here, as Gideon was marching, as Gideon was trying to fight, he kept pursuing. Why? 
Psalms 42 says, As the heart panteth after the water brook. I got to thinking about that. We have a lot more panting today and not much pursuing. I'm just tired. You're going to get tired in this life. I mean, you, you are. That's just, I mean, you know, that, that, I hate to... Well, that's really encur- well, boy, Brother Scott is encouraging tonight. And he said, we're, we're going to work, wore out and not do nothing, get tired and just suck it up and go on. And that's really encouraging. It's easier said than done, right? We'll get to some good stuff here in just a second. Why? Why do we keep going? In spite of our faintness, in spite of these things transpiring in our life, why do we need to do these things? Why do we need to keep pursuing? Well, for one thing, uh, the call that you have on your life. Remember, the Lord doesn't call Gideon the mighty man of valor. Everybody in here has a call from God on their life. Why do you need to keep pursuing? Because of that call. Why do we need to keep pursuing? Because God doesn't say that's what we're supposed to do. You understand? It's one thing to disappoint your loved ones. I mean, you don't want to disappoint any of your loved ones at all. You understand? Uh, you want to do right by your kids. You want to do right by your family. You want to do right by your church. But more than that, you want to do right by God. Paul said in Philippians 3.14, he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. You hear what he said? He said, I press towards the mark. He didn't say I waltzed into the mark. He didn't say I, I coasted into the mark. He didn't say I was carried to the mark. What did he say? I pressed. When you're pressing something, you're going to have something pushing back against you, amen. But Paul said, hey, I've been shipwrecked. Y'all know the story of Paul, shipwrecked, stoned, whipped, left for dead. And right here in Philippians, hey, I keep on keeping on, amen. Hey, nothing's stopping me. Nothing's keeping me back. Why? I believe he was just crawling to the finish line, amen. Christians today, you have a call. Don't quit. Mom and dad, you got a call. You got a call to be a godly parent, amen. Don't quit. If you quit, that's not just going to affect you. That's going to affect those ones under you. Amen. And time after time, I can't help but believe that God's put my family in my life that maybe where I'd want to give up or maybe I'd want to throw in the towel and say, man, I'm tired of this mess. I'm tired of this rat race. I'm tired of going to work here. I'm trying, tired of doing this. I'm tired of doing, being involved in all these things. Then you look over there. What kind of memory is that going to What kind of impression is that going to make on them? You understand? Mama, daddy, look, you, you got kids, grandma and grandpa. If somebody's put somebody in your life that you can be an influence to, hey, you just be the bigger person right there and say, hey, I might be faint, but for them, I'm going to keep pursuing. For them, I'm just going to keep on going. Might not feel like it every day in here, but boy, they ain't going to know that. They ain't going to know that. That's part of being a mature Christian. That's part of that responsibility. We live in a day and age that nobody will shuck our responsibility. That's why there's so many people, 30-year-olds, that are living in their parents' basement eating Cheetos, playing video games all day. You understand? Going to the stores in their pajamas, like I told you this morning. I just don't know what I want to do with my life. Well, I know what you shouldn't do with your life. I'm talking about keep pursuing. I'm talking about keep pursuing. I know this life right here, well, right here, Jeremiah right here says in uh, chapter 20, verse 9, it says, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And it said, I was weary uh, with forbearing and I could not stay. You know what Jeremiah said? The same thing he just said. He said, man, I wanted to give up. I wanted to quit. He said, well, that's a preacher verse. No, that's a Christian verse. You understand? 
said I wanted to give up. He said, but his word was in my heart or shut up my bones. In other words, you get, hey, you start feeling faint when you start pushing that Bible away. You start feeling faint when you start pushing the church away. You start feeling more faint, guess what, when you start pushing prayer away. And when you start doing that, but I'm here to tell you, even when you wanted to give up, or you can go to a good church service, you can get your Bible out and say, man, hey, I wanted to give up. Hey, I wanted to quit, but there's just something inside of me that won't let me quit. We're just going to keep on going for the cause of Christ. Amen? But there's that tug. That tug of the world. You're, you're, you're pulling one way, church, and then guess what? The world's pulling another way. That's spiritual tug-of-war. Has anybody in here ever played tug-of-war? Of course you have. Are y'all lying? Y'all know you have. Nobody raised their hand. Uh, the church I grew up in, Harvest Baptist Church, uh, Brother Mark Biddy's the pastor of that church now, and he's been the church, he's been the pastor of that for a long time, but some of y'all know Brother Mark. But Brother Mark, I don't know how much he weighs now, but he used to be like 300 pounds. Big dude, strong dude. And when we played tug-of-war there at the church, I always wanted to be on his team. That's right. Because you know what? He was always the anchor. And so whoever had the bigger anchor is always the team that won. So it didn't matter. Y'all could pull, pull, pull. But y'all don't understand. I got the big anchor in the back. Y'all pull your arms off. It don't matter. Just keep on pulling because I got the bigger anchor in the back. And sometimes we forget as a church, guess what? That we're anchored in Jesus Christ. Hey, let the world pull and pull and pull. Hey, but we've got the bigger anchor in the back, amen? But we fail to realize that so many times that he's right back there. And what you're doing, don't come over here and untie the rope to the anchor. No, I'm here to say, make sure the knot's tighter and shorten the rope and get closer to God, amen? And talk about the call. Why are we pursuing because of the call? Not only that, why are we pursuing because of the cause? The job wasn't finished. I told y'all in chapter number uh, 8, verse number 12, the two kings of Midianites, of Midianites they were the soldiers that had been beat, but those two kings had kept on going. Those two kings had cut out of town. So what if Gideon had said, all right, I beat all these soldiers, but I'm going to let those two kings go. I won that battle, but didn't win the war. What had happened? I like the fact that, that Gideon right here, he didn't relax on one win. You know, sometimes we think we get one, one thing beat in our life. We're like, oh, yes. Got that knocked out. Oh, yes. I'm do That's right. Read my Bible through. It took me 10 years, but I read it through. <laughs> Prayed twice today. Super Christian. But, but y'all understand what I'm saying? Gideon didn't, didn't, didn't stop with one win on, on one battle. He said, hey, the battle's not over, amen. Hey, I got to keep going. I got to keep pursuing. Uh, I got to make sure that the job is done. I got to make sure that the job is finished. Made me think of David. You know David didn't, didn't stop killing Philistines after he killed Goliath? He kept killing them. And kept killing them. And kept killing. He didn't say, well, Goliath, that's it. Knock him in the head. Cut his head off. Let's go to the house. Everything's good. No, no, no. They kept coming and they kept coming and they kept coming until the day that David died. They, he had to keep on killing them. Church, until the day you die, you're going to have to keep on, keep on killing that flesh. Keep on, keep on pursuing the things of God. Not only that cause, what about our courage? Chapter 7, verse number number 9. See, Gideon kept on questioning the things of God. He kept on questioning, God, is that, is that, can I really do that? Are you going to be able to let me do that? I don't know if I can do that. 
God told Gideon, he said, take your servant down here and, 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 and go look at those Midianites over there and see what they're up to. And I'm paraphrasing here for the sake of time. Well, they go through there and they heard, they heard one of the Midianites talking about that dream of that, of that, of that bread that rolled down the hill and it, and, it, and it tore up the whole valley. That's a crazy dream. You think a big old, a big old roll, you know what I'm saying, of bread and it destroyed all these things. And so the Midianite was talking about the dream he had and the other soldier said, you know what, that's Gideon. That's Gideon. The hand of God's on Gideon. He's going to destroy us. And Gideon was sitting up on the hill listening to all that. And so what did he do? He said, man, the Lord has delivered me or delivered the Midianites into my hand. So the word of God mixed with the uh, worship of God, because he praised God when he heard that dream. He praised God when he heard that interpretation. So when the word of God was mixed with the worship of God, that gave Gideon the courage that he needed. That's not complicated. So when we have the Word of God and then we worship God like He's deserved, is that going to make you better for the Lord or worse? Is that going to give you more confidence to witness or not? You see what I'm saying? Man, I've done, I've done studied up. I've done got the Word of God into my heart and God's done turned something over in my heart. And man, I'm here singing. Ain't nobody else singing. Man, I hear I'm singing psalms and hymns to my own self, up praising God, worshiping God to my own self. And so when you meet somebody on the street or something other, your flesh rises up against you. You've already, you've already got the courage to be able to defeat that. Word plus worship equals faith and courage. And from that time on, you never once heard Gideon questioning, was, could God deliver him? He questioned him, I'm talking about continue up until that point. And then he finally got the picture, he finally got the vision that God had. He said, Gideon, you can do this. He said, Lord, the whole time the Lord's been telling him, I told you, Gideon. I don't know about you, but I get a little hard-hearted. Uh, not hard-hearted, but hard-headed sometimes. Christy said, uh, hard-headed sometimes. They're like, do you, you not get this? And that's how Gideon was. And when he finally clicked in his mind, what did he do? He became that mighty man of valor that God had for him, that God wanted him to be. And it all come from the word of God and from the worship of God, which increased his faith, which increased his courage to be the man of God that God wanted him to be. It was once said that Alexander the Great, they said that the Persians were as the sands of the seashore. And he replied, one butcher is not, of afraid, is not afraid of a whole flock of sheep. This is what Spurgeon said, so let it be with us. Let us feel that we are men of another mold that we, uh, than to be afraid that believing in God, we do not know how to spell cowardice. He said, believing in God, I don't even know how to spell the word. I'm talking about faith, yet pursue it. We even talk about the commitment. You say, well, Scott, how am I going to do all these things? How am I going to bring all these things to pass? Glad you asked. Isaiah chapter number 40. I'm almost done, church. How am I going to have all these things? What am I going to do? Uh, how am I going to have power for the pursuit? Power for the pursuit, we see right here in, in Isaiah chapter number 40, verse number 28. It says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increaseth strength. 
Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Look right there, the emphasis to put on there. Even the youth shall faint. I'm looking for one. <laughs> because them jokers is jacked up all the time. But you know what? Life can get so discouraging and downhearted. But even them little kids that got so much energy can get discouraged and they can faint. I remember one time we was, we was doing our Awana's program and this little kitty's about six years old. And of course he wasn't acting right. He was all over the place. He was one of our, our bus kids and, uh, you know, he was pitching, not necessarily pitching a fit, but he wasn't listening at all. He was doing, picking up stuff, taking up stuff off, tearing stuff up and he crawled under the table and, you know, hey, come on, you got to get out. You can't act like this, disrupting class. And and, and, and and you know what? It was okay with me. Usually I'm not that way, but it was okay that time because he had like one shoe on. That's how he come with one shoe. Filthy shirt. Long story short, didn't know where his daddy was. His mom was in jail. And it's like, man, I didn't, I've never had to face those odds. You see what I'm saying? I've never had to face that kind of pressure. I've never had to face those dynamics in my life, and thanks be to God for that. But you've got a six-year-old over here crawling under a table, acting up, cutting up, has one shoe on because that's how he got out the door. You understand? Filthy clothes, mama's in jail, don't know where his daddy is. But it says right here, He giveth power to the faint. It says right here in verse 30, Even the youth shall faint. There's going, to be, there's going to be some kids, there's going to be some young people right here. Hey, they're not going to have any energy. They're going to have that life that's coming in there, uh, those circumstances that are going to come in their life. Hey, they're going to want to give up. They're going to want to faint according to the Word of God. But guess what? It doesn't stop right there. Well, why is that? It says, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. Hey, but verse 31 says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and what? Not be Well, that's encouraging. That's encouraging when I say those circumstances just, uh, just own you and own you and own you. And you look at what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Hey, I'll tell you what you can do, church. You can go right there to the Word of God and start opening that Word of God. And we're going to sit here and look at this Word of God and say, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That wait right there has two connotations. One is patience. Lord, you love me. You know who I am. Lord, you died for me. You saved me. You're not just going to leave. You're not going to save me and just leave me stranded. So any day now, Lord, you're going to come by and help me out in my situation. You're going to come by and rejuvenate my situation. You're going to come by and give me strength for this situation. Not only that, but that weight talks about that. But that weight also has the context of waiting on God, being a servant of God, like a waiter. Those that wait on the Lord. In other words, in the time. In the time of that struggle, in those time of those circumstances in your life, what you're doing, you've not just said, Lord, I give up, uh, this is all you. No, no, that's not what it's talking about. It's saying in the time of those circumstances, when you're faint in your life, I'm still just going to serve God. I'm just still waiting on Him, just like a waiter would at a table. You see what I'm saying? As the master's sitting there at the table, you're just saying, Lord, I don't know what you got for me. Lord, I'm just going to keep doing what I know to do. You understand what I mean? I'm just going to keep doing what's right. I'm going to keep walking with you, Lord. I'm going to keep serving you no matter what the circumstances in my life. I'm just going to keep putting that there and putting that there and I'm doing two things I told you I'm going to wait in patience and see how you respond to this circumstance but in the meantime I'm just still going to serve you and serve you and serve you church I'm talking about being faint 
yet pursue it. Piano player, please come to the piano. I know I've been a little bit lengthy. I was trying to make a point that we all get faint. Not one of us in here does it. We've seen in these verses we read right here that you can read, talks about recharging in verse 29, reflecting in verse 30, renewing. We talked about your responsibility, all those things. Psalm 63, 8 said, My soul followeth hard after thee. And he says, Thy right hand upholdeth me. David knew where to find his courage. David knew where to find his help. You just play whenever you're ready. Paul said that I may know him. Churches, I'm not, I'm not trying to paint a grim picture. I, I just don't see culture and society getting better. It's changed a lot since I was a kid. I don't see them be more and more accepting of the things of God. I don't, I don't, I don't see them having their own, the, the Christians having their own month. I don't see that. So no doubt it's probably going to get just a little bit worse, a little bit darker, a little bit, a little bit more oppressive. But that's okay. But why? Because we might be faint. We just keep pursuing Him. Just keep pursuing Him. If everybody would, please stand. I like this quote right here. It says, when we can't fully understand His plan, we can fully trust His promises. See, Gideon didn't understand all what God had for him. Gideon didn't understand all those things. Gideon didn't know these things, but you know what he did? He finally got wise and started trusting God for the things that he didn't understand. He said, Lord, I don't understand your plan, but Lord, I'm just trusting in your promises. I don't know where you're at tonight. You might just want to come and pray and say, Lord, I don't understand your plan, but Lord, help me to understand your to trust your promises. Lord, I'm feeling a little faint. Lord, I'm needing a little, uh, I need a little rejuvenation. I need a little revival, Lord, in my heart. I, I'm feeling a little faint. Lord, please will you help me not to give up, but keep on pursuing. Keep on pursuing because of my family. Keep on pursuing because of my church. Keep on pursuing. Why? Because of Lord, because of you and what you've done for me. She's place, church. If you want to come pray tonight, now's your opportunity. Faint, yet pursuing. Faint, 